You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Program, Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. And it is a sunshiny day today, which is boding well for a great weekend of playing football here in Perth. Good morning, everybody who's listening in. And my guests in the studio, Hugh and Becky. Good morning, Hugh. Good morning, Penny. Morning, Becky. Good morning. We've got uh, Becky Petrosky, Glenn. Just Becky today. Just Becky. Coaching in the, or at the Vic Park Soccer Club, Vic Park Victory, who have men's and women's teams, and now junior teams as well. We've... Had a chat to Andy along the way, Andy Arena, who's filled us in with this and that and has been a part of the show for a few years. So welcome. Thanks for joining us for the next couple of hours or any part thereof. We're going to talk a lot of football today. There is so much football happening. Matildas, Socceroos, Euros, local football. What else? There's probably things I've missed. Copa America 21, that started as well. The World Cup qualifiers in South America as well. So instead of having meaningless friendlies, the South Americans went... Uh, let's just do World Cup qualifiers to warm up. Unbelievable, some of the football that's been going on. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. You can catch our cod, uh, FOD. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's, called, it's called a podcast, Pen. <laughs> pod <laughs> And you can find us also on the website. And uh, our restreaming is down there as well. So just have a look for the World Football Program on the 107.9 FM website. You are so ready to jump in this seat. I'll turn it up, Ben. <laughs> I am literally <laughs> shh, ready to fill in my pants there. So. <laughs> and a big thank you to all of our partners, Futsal WA and Greg Farrell, who is going to be joining us on the show today. Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Very big thank you to everyone there who um, dip into their pockets and put a bit of money into the station and the studio to help us stay on air. We're all volunteers. We just talk football because we love it. 
sometimes we do have a little bit of bias talking women's football, men's football, Perth Glory, Socceroos, all Matildas, but hey, it bounces out over the year, I, I feel. And Sean and myself rotate the hosting right throughout the year up until the end of November. Guess on today's show, we're going to have a chat to Becky about coaching in the men's space, being a female coach and I think there's only two that I can think of in the whole of Perth and the other one might be Anne Gooley who's coaching at Gosnells. So you might be a little bit of a, a unique thing there, Becky. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I think it takes like a, a particular constitution to do what you're doing. We'll explore that. <laughs> we'll have a chat to Greg Farrell who is coach of the Northern Redbacks under 23s at uh, Redbacks, I think that's just his first year in the 23 space. I think last year he was in the women's space, but we'll talk more about that. And also a development coach at Futsal WA, one of our sponsors. Thank you, Greg and Futsal WA. And we'll have a chat to Aaron Tavarthen, who is one of the hosts on the Football Tragic podcast about A-League, Olyroos, Socceroos. And we'll probably talk a bit about the FFA Cup. Mm-hmm. Perth Gloria going to be playing... Am I allowed to say wooden spooners? No. Wooden victory? No. I just did. Strongest team in the league, holding up everybody. It's, it's a very strange <laughs> place for them to be. It's very it's, strange it, for me to think that they are actually finishing bottom of the A-League. Good for them. I don't think they've ever done that before. <laughs> no, no, no. We're real happy for them. You know, talk to any, any A-League fan and you'll see the smile on the face <laughs> of anybody when you go, hey, the victory just won the wooden spoon. Did they? Great. That is great. Potential to win a competition. That's what it means. <laughs> and then Natasha Rigby, Perth Glory captain, we'll be having a chat to her. There That's is a lot of Tash has finished that move. Last time we tried to get Tash, she, she was in the middle of a moving house. Poor thing. I said, "That's a job I don't, I don't envy anybody." She's a busy lady. Oh, isn't she? There's lots to talk about in that space with Perth Glory making lots of signings mm. in the past few months leading into a new W League season. Um, one of the things I'd like to have a chat about today is um, there's new broadcasting. Uh, partners coming up, um, what that means for women's football, what it means for men's football, what what is it going to change, the discussion around a winter season or a summer season, Becky, you might have some thoughts on that, if that changes sometime over the next couple of seasons, what that means for our local football or national football, are we going to get more of an audience, more of a fan base at games for our national leagues, yeah, I mean we are a winter sport, the reason we change is maybe like to the summer has, has changed in terms of the competitive environment? Is it still there? Has that changed? What does it mean? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's an odd one because <clears throat> I remember when we were <clears throat> back in the days when I still had two working knees when we were refereeing, when it was a winter <laughs> season for the um, for the the A-League, as it wasn't called back then, uh, we would regularly struggle on match days for referees because they go, I'm off to watch the glory play. So, wow! When it, when it went to summer season, we uh, we had more participation from a refereeing point of view because the games weren't clashing, uh, clashing with the local competition. What whatever day that was, that was also uh, particularly on a Sunday. It was even worse because you'd have less uh, availability for the Sunday anyway, and those that were available would go. Oh, I'm off to the glory. It's like, well, no, you've got to you've you've got to help grassroots football. Yeah, well, I'm off to the glory anyway. Maybe it's time to have a chat about numbers of referees with Football West and get Simon Hicks on and yep. find out. You know. Oh, that's it's one of the one of the real uh, conundrums that Simon faces is um, you know the recruitment 
obviously it is the hard part, part, but then the retention, mm. and then then to continue participation because we've had. On um, well, Simon, when we get him on, if uh, in the very near future, we'll tell you there's plenty going through the courses, but very few that then sign up to participate. Which, to me, it just just seems odd. If you're gonna if you're gonna do the course, you know, why not participate? You like the game that much that you've you've gone all the way through. Maybe some of the participants are taking it up to help their club. Oh, yeah. Maybe at uh, younger levels, like junior levels, mm. where um, the conflict and uh, I don't know controversy is is less. But not there's not that there's always that in a game. I mean, it, it's. To, to conflict in life is normal. It's how you manage it and the aggression part that comes into sport with the passion. The passion just puts the aggression over the edge sometimes and, I mean, that's a big thing we all have to manage, Yeah, it? well, Becky hinted uh, at her refereeing career in New South Wales and luckily enough I didn't... Oh, we won't go too far down that detail. Luckily enough I haven't been in that actual situation but the potential for that situation to occur has been numerous. But... Football West are working on that and the FA are working on that and FIFA are working on that and it's a, it's a better space, but um, there's always room for improvement. Absolutely, and talking about uh, news for the week, uh, RIP to Howard Sattler, who's 6PR mm. commentator, he passed away overnight. I was a bit shocked to hear that. He had a neurological condition and you may remember he, um, he had a few more controversial uh, banters on the radio in his last uh, six months to 12 months on air, which was, I don't know, maybe three years ago. Yep. A bit more maybe. I remember um, he interviewed Julie Gillard, who was the then Prime Minister, and whew, that, was a, that was a tough gig. And, yeah, he's been off radio and um, clearly hasn't been going so well and passed away. Mm. But um, I, I, I personally thought he was uh, a good radio host because he challenged things. Yes. And he got me thinking about things and he engaged his audience and he always had people ringing in, giving talk. But I didn't always agree with him, but that's what life's about, right? You bring up things, you have a chat about them and you can still be friends. You don't necessarily have to be friends with Howard Sattler um, or not. You just want to discuss it with them and that you have a relationship and then you call back again and that's how you get the listenership for the show. And he did that for like 30 years or something. Yeah. It's crazy. Yep. So our, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Howard's family, his friends and, and those that yep. spent that uh, that journey of 30 years with him on the radio. Absolutely. And uh, a couple of things from my end. Football West Standing Committee and Zone Elections are underway. Yes. So if you're interested there, be in contact with uh, Football West. They did put a post up last week. Uh, I think that's to the end of this month that you can actually inquire about that you can get in contact with the secretary at football west about that um 61810700 that's phone number 61810700 so standing committees and zone committees are just like groups of volunteers that oversee the competitions and um, kind of interface between what's happening on grassroots level and football west um, give feedback and and help form decisions and policies and things like that so um, I'm sure Becky's already on one of those groups because she's always got a lot to say. <laughs> yep. Sean and, uh, and I spoke with uh, Phil Kelly last week. So all those out there that are standing on the sideline going, oh, this is rubbish, there's your chance. Yeah. Enough of standing on the sideline, jumping up and down, get yourself in the middle of it and uh, make the change that you want to see happen. Yeah, that's that's the one. And the three-in-one market at the Claremont Showgrounds occurred last week. How over did that the go? Long weekend. It was massive. There were so <laughs> many people there. And it was such fun too. It was like really hard to stay on a stall when all this stuff's happening around you. And I'm, I'm a 
collector. There's no two ways about it, but I have a rule in my house. Whatever goes in, something has to come out. So so I can collect. But um, it was all about antiques and vintage things. So the Football Hall of Fame was there and they had a lot of memorabilia, which we were displaying. So thank you, everybody in the football community for all the donations over the past 18 months or so. It's been fantastic. Um, We go there to brand the Football Hall of Fame and one day hopefully we'll have a museum and all the gifts and donations that people have given to us and that we are storing and cleaning up, like all the trophies and things we're cleaning up, getting stands for and all that kind of thing, um, we'll display in an appropriate way. But in the meantime, it goes on the Football Hall of Fame website and uh, Brett does a fantastic job of getting stories and history together with Richard and Mel and putting that on the Facebook page. So that was just a kind of a, a drop in the ocean of getting a presence out there in the community last week. Good one. Mm. Yep. And again, Sean and I boomed that one up for your pen, so that's why you were under the pump. Good on you guys. <laughs> Good to hear. And, 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 uh, Joe Montemuro. Yes. What a, what a, what a signing. Everyone's going, and, and, and. No, 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 there's one better than that. Off you go, please, Pen. Yep. Um, so he's been coaching at Arsenal for the last few years over in England, and he did coach over here. Was it Western Sydney Wanderers? Yes, it was. Okay. Yep. Yep, so Australia... Over to England, done a great job there with Arsenal Women's in the WSL and now he's um, over at Juve and I have a little bit of a soft spot for Juve. I was over there playing football a few years back and did a tour of the stadium and that was at the time that um, Del Piero was playing here Mm -hmm. in the A-League and he's... He's a massive icon over there for Juventus. I think he played like most of his career there or all of his career there, something like that. Well, his junior career was, oh, I've just got to have a think now. No, no, it'll come to me. I'll be halfway home and go, oh, that's right. No, it, well, he's known as a Juventus player. That's for good. Yep. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, the team and I, we went on a tour there and uh, massive stadium because football in, in Serie A in Italy is just incredible. Um, so I was like, yep, I, I think I feel in a bit of an affiliation here with uh, Australia and Del Piero and now Montemuro going over there. Um, see, it, we'll see what happens there. That's an interesting space for him to be in. But I watched his first interview or listened to his first interview, which was subtitled. I didn't know he could speak uh, fluent Italian. Well, no, no, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. It, it, it's a rarity you get um, foreign managers into Italy that, that aren't fluent. If, if you can't speak the language over there, they'll go, yeah, you can have, oh, sorry, there's your week, see you later. Hmm. So we've got a couple of, well, we'll call them Australians because they've passed through Australia with Carolina Mariachi who's coaching over there um, in the Serie A. Mm-hmm. Um, so her team was promoted from the Serie B. That's right. Um, and Nicola Williams. And Nicola's there as well. Yep, yep. with the Australian link. Of course, I think Nick's here in Australia. We might see if we can catch her on the radio at That'd some point soon. That would be a nice chat, I reckon. I've just done the troll with uh, Alessandro. Yeah, he, he did start at Padova um, uh, for two seasons. So we played 14 games there as a youngster. But uh, 513 games to Juventus, 203 goals. Nice. So, uh, you know. Legend. Yeah, I thought he started somewhere else, but it's basically Juventus. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like when someone passes through Australia and goes somewhere else to play, and they didn't start in Australia, but they mm. passed Australia. We claim them as Australian. That's oh, yeah, what always. We do, right, yep. Um, and and Ange Postacoglu landed at Celtic. So I, I think this is a really significant thing that happened for Australian football is that Ange... Like Tony Popovich, okay, mm-hmm. he goes where he feels he's going to be challenged and improve his coaching and make a difference. I, I like that coaches do that, and it's disappointing when they leave where they've made an impact, like Popovich was here. Yep. West Sydney Wanderers made a great impact, came to I Perth Glory. 
Yeah, mm. I, I, yeah think he's who fan- I think he's a fantastic yeah. coach. And he might leave at the time that we don't think is appropriate. Yes. <laughs> but um, he, he sees an opportunity and he wants to I- explore and make things better. And Postacoglu, same thing. So he's coached here in Australia, in Asia, and now he's going over to Scotland. I think that's a great move for him. Yep. Um, great move for Celtic football. And he, he also had that uh, very uh, meaningful stint in Greece as well, which lasted all of, <laughs> like I said, if, uh, Ange can speak Greek, so it's surprising yes. that that didn't work out as well as it could have done. But yep. again, it's all a learning curve. And Ange has actually said that he's not coming back to Australia anytime soon, you know, upwards of 10 to 15 years. He wants to travel the world using his skills. So in Scotland, you know, you'd think just down the road, there's the uh, the EPL. Will we see Ange in the EPL in the next uh, three, four years? Yeah, I don't know. If, if he's successful enough at Celtic, and that, that is a huge job. I mean, they are... They are a huge club in, in world football. Let's not just talk about in European football. And, yeah, like I said, he's certainly challenging himself there because if it goes slightly badly, like you, you lose two games against a team playing in blue, you're out the door. And, of course, there's another little competition that's happening, which is the Euros <laughs> from 2020 to 2021. Yep. Know, kind of calendar dates are a bit out there. But um, there's... Competitions happening over the next nth number of weeks, with the final happening on July 11. So, yep. if you want an overload of football, I think all the games are only on Optus, aren't they? Those the games are on Optus. That's correct. Up. Yep. Um, so, those that missed out last night, it was uh, Turkey zero, Italy three, and of course, with this particular Euros, a lot of the major nations are going to have the uh, home ground advantage. So, Italy play all three of their games at the um, Stadio Olimpico. England will play all their games at Wembley. So uh, France will play at the Stade de France, I think. So all these major nations have got the home ground advantage due to... And that was going to happen anyway. But uh, you'd like to think that if you're playing at your home national stadium, you're not losing. So um, a lot of sides were saying that, um, particularly with the England group, that um, Scotland should get through. But it's like, well, England are playing three games at Wembley. You've got Croatia in there as well. You've got, the, you've got the Czech Republic and Scotland and Scotland going, no, we can get out of that group. It's like, oh, Is it really yeah, 22 years since Scotland have played in the Euros? Uh, well, I was listening to a podcast on the way in and uh, block your ears, all those with Scottish descent, but uh, according to that, and I won't name the podcast in case they're incorrect, Scotland have never progressed out of any group stage at any major tournament that they've qualified for. Ooh, Dave Kindness, are you listening? I'm, I've, I'm checking Dave my will, phone Dave will let right me know. Now. But, uh, I mean, if we go back to 74, <laughs> they didn't get out the group at 74. They didn't get out the group at 78. They didn't get out the group at 82. Uh, that 86, I don't think they qualified. Um, There's not 90, they didn't qualify. Clearly. So, yeah. And, and that, that includes the Euros as well. But also those that are thinking, I still don't have a football fix. The Copper America is starting on Monday as well. And that, uh, unfortunately for Australia, was the Copper America that we had our invitation accepted for. So this one is going to be back to the old school Copper America of just the South American sides. So Mexico won't be in there. Um, Becky's USA won't be in there. Australia were going to go there with Japan. It was, yeah, a big opportunity for Australian soccer to um, to progress against some of the world world's leading nations. But unfortunately, not for us this time. 
So you might be wondering why there's so much fantastic football being played at the moment. It's the international window, which is just cramming so much yep. football into it. Unfortunately, with the A-League finals happening, I think June is it June 26, I think is the grand final, we've lost Iconometers yes. to the Socceroos and Daggers, Nick uh, D'Agostino to the yep. Oli Roos, right in that window, which is when I feel we would have used them for the last couple of games in the A-League and Glory might have just crept up the table yep. a little bit and maybe made the finals. But again, if you speak to the the um, more learned uh, commentators of the game, they were saying, well, if the A-League had kicked off a month earlier, the finals would have been finished around about this time and all of a sudden your marquee players were available for your marquee games yeah. at the pointy end of the season. But we all know... A variety of reasons why that didn't occur at the time. Yeah, and, then, and this is why we've got things to talk about, isn't it? So, Becky, out of all that conversation, <laughs> you've stayed really quiet, but there's got to be something in there that's taken your fancy and that you'll be chatting with your lads on Sunday about other than just winning that game that you've gone there to the play. The Canomble World Cup qualifiers, did, did you cap, capture the uh, the Costa Rica-USA friendly? Papa. Oh. Papa. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> What what is it that you like about oh, Tony I love, Popovich? I just love Tony Popovich. Like his coaching style? I like his coaching style and I he could be my boyfriend. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, okay. And there you have it. My husband knows it's okay. <laughs> Well, we've talked uh, a lot about what's happening in the news this week. We'll go to a break and come back and chat more football. Thank you, everyone, for listening into the World Football Program. Hold on tight, get your cup of tea, and see you in a moment. 107.9 FM, your local station. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. G'day, I'm Peter Skeeler, the man behind A-LeagueStats.com and part of the world football team for 2021. Joining me this year will be women's football expert Penny Tannerhoth, Ashfield Sports Club member Sean Kelly, Subutio expert Hugh Best and Junior Matilda's goalkeeper Miranda Templeman. We will be with you every Saturday morning through to the end of November talking football. Catch the show on live stream or via our new website, listen in later on the podcast or land on our Facebook page and share your football news. The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.
The team is back. Penny, Becky and Hugh in the studio with you talking football up until midday and landing in the local football spaces, which is always plenty happening at this time of year. We've got uh, all of the uh, amateur leagues, junior leagues, state league, um, NPL, men's, women's, everything's happening over this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um starting mid-morning, going right through the afternoon, and then tomorrow, amateur football and junior football. So uh, all the top-end football pretty much happens today, I think, doesn't it? So NPL, State League, uh, Premier. Yep. Yep, so there you go. So the NPL Premier fixtures today are Inglewood versus Armadale. These are all 3 o'clock kickoffs. We've got Perth Glory versus Perth, so the Perth Derby. Or at least the, I'm sure Perth Italia will get a trophy for that one. <laughs> There's plenty of room that tr- anyway. <laughs> okay. uh, we've got Rockingham City versus Bayswater City. Uh, we have Sorrento versus Coburn. Balcatta will play Floriot. That's always a cracker of a game. So if you're a bit unsure which one to go to, that'd be my choice. And then we've got ECU Joondalup versus Quellup Croatia. As I say, they're all three o'clock kickoffs today. Floriot sitting on top of the table and yes. celebrating 70 years this year. Yeah, yeah. Good job, Floriot. Yep, um, and then State League Division 1 after nine matches, or this might be... No, this is round 10, I think. Um, Sterling Macedonia, Sterling Lions. Sterling Lions, yep. that's it. Sitting on top of the table over Western Knights, Quinns and Joondalup. And then in State League Division 2 is Dinella White Eagles over Kingsley, Wanneroo, Curtin and Mum FC. I had mm. to say the top five there so I could mention yeah. Mum FC in there. Yeah, we normally just do the top four, but uh, every yep. now and again. And then <laughs> uh, moving over into amateur football, of course, this is where... Well, I'm going to go amateur as in non-professional, okay, Becky? So yeah. forgive the difference um, in the wording there. But um, talk us through your profile and your team so our listeners have a little bit of an understanding of where you know, Vic Park and your position sits well, as far as Sunday League amateur football goes, there's an actual amateur league, which consists of firsts and reserves, and then there is a metro, a metropolitan Sunday League, which is split into north and south divisions. And we sit, Vic Park has teams in the metro south, Div 1, 2, and 3. And do you coach all of those teams? Yes. How, how do you actually <laughs> physically do that? I'm well medicated. <laughs> So they they don't have reserve teams, so they'll be playing in different locations. Yes. So I'm sure with Football West you've tried to negotiate them all playing at the same place, but I bet that hasn't happened. It's not so easy that way because there are clubs that won't have teams in 1, 2 and 3. They may only have Prem and 2 or 1 and 3 or just in 3. So I, you select good captains and team managers and days that you can't make it to all three, you set them on their way, give them instructions, and... And how many times in a season does all three teams play at the same place? Uh, we will be this weekend at home. Okay. Is that- but usually if it's not all three at home, uh, it's, very, it's very few and far between that yeah. we all three... So that must home. make for a, a huge day for you. So what, I reckon. What, what, yeah. what time would we be starting tomorrow? Uh, the first game, the threes kick off at 11 o'clock. Wow. And then one and then three. 
Okay. So, so you'd be there, what, about half past nine and not finishing till about six o'clock? A day yeah. of football. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And this is this kind of environment is where we talk about having the club atmosphere, having um, the club rooms, not just a change room, but club rooms where mm. you can go and have a coffee and a meal and in between games people come and watch, they can overlap to the games, you can have a little bit of income and revenue, create a bit of club atmosphere, have a landing space. Yeah, and it's, we have a good... A good canteen, a good canteen managers at Harold Rossiter at our home ground. So, I bet that doesn't happen think. at all the grounds you go to, though. No, there's <laughs> some. There's some where there's you know there's nothing open. There might be a change room, but yeah. again, it's like, okay, guys, here I'm coming in the change room. Yeah. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> Shower in the back. Keep the naked in the back. Cause yeah, no, I was surprised when we were talking off air that you were saying that part of the regulations uh, and, and f- was. You just need a rectangle space. Yeah, it was like, and anything else? Mm, no, no, for Metro, really. they recommend you have a canteen with hot and cold beverages and snacks, but that's not really enforced. Or do you know? Do you know what? I, I suppose when I think of it, if you have a space to play football and you've got the equipment to set it up and you've got a ball. That's what you want to be there for, right? Like Jump us the goalpost. And someone to <laughs> referee the game. And it might be someone on the sideline if a referee, the official referee doesn't turn up. But at, at the minimum, that's what you want. You want to be able to play your game. The higher the level you go, you want that to be more organised, of course. So you do want the change rooms yeah. and you want the referee to be there so you can be concentrating on your team. Yeah, so it's, still, it's still nice, though. I mean, if you're playing, I mean, this is still association football. So yeah. you're, yes. still, you're still paying fees and... Yeah becoming part of a club and part of a team so yeah there's a certain expectation but it's the expectation isn't always that high at this level and that it's sometimes it's sometimes disheartening and frustrating because you are still paying to be part of association football do you coach three teams who train together on each training night yes okay so you'd have a group of 50 or 60 yeah there's a there's about uh there's a there's some like we've got fifos and stuff that don't always show up and sometimes the threes they are there they are really recreational so they will be there just for sunday games half the time they don't really come to training that's that's their that's their team they understand that they know that but yeah there's a with the three teams that i have the skill level is I've got guys that have come back from the higher leagues, the amateur prems, that have come back. They all want to play together. They all just want that community identity for their football team now. They don't need the pressure. They don't need the, the push to go trying to make it up to state league or anything like that. They're at that level that they, they want to just play together and enjoy their football again. But how do you separate that with the, you being the coach or the – did you say coach uh, or manager? Coach. I say coach, yeah. Coach, yes. So, so you'll be... Hang on, me first, me first. So you've got three teams you have to coach. You'd have the same philosophy across all three teams? For the most part, but I will set up, if if you want to call them lesson plans, training plans, I set up different training plans with different expectations for each group. And you will separate them out and so that they're not being challenged beyond their expectations or they're not being... Smashed by the meatheads. Yes, yeah. there you go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know who she's talking about? Yeah, yeah they know. 
Cool. And then you have assistant coaches or you have the team captains that step in and help. Yeah, they will. And I do have another I do have another coach, but he's right now been called away with work duties, so that's just a we're in a holding pattern, waiting for him to be done. You, you actually, uh, um, you appear quite relaxed about the fact that you are the coach of three teams. To me, that seems quite a yeah. big responsibility uh, on training day and on match day to I've, be able to manage the the difference in the skill level and then who's there and who's not there on a Sunday. Yeah, well, I've been coaching. We've had two teams at Vic Park for the last five years. So we did have a a trial at three teams at one point, but that was, yeah, I was not ready for that and didn't have any kind of assistant lined up or ready. So that was a flop. But for the most part, I've been doing it a while now. I kind of have little systems in place that help me along and and the guys, they kind of understand and for the most part, they they realize that, yeah, they've come to a club with one coach, me, and if we're not going to all stick together and help each other as a club and as a squad, it's not going to be successful. Yep. How's player retention? It's generally in football, it sits at about, I don't say, somewhere between 30 and 35%, I would say, generally, I th- as in turnover. That I think we've been pretty lucky at Vic Park. Um, as I was saying before, I've got, last year I handed out a couple of awards for 100 matches played at the club and the club the men's program itself is this is only the sixth year so if you consider these guys have played over 100 matches with what 20 rounds maybe per season they've been playing some of these guys were playing two games a Sunday so in whatever the two different divisions that we had so you can clock up a few matches in a season but but that's still it's still a hard ask if you've only got 20 in a Sunday Yep. And you figure, too, like, you've got work. People are going to have sickness, injuries. And some of these guys, one was a former keeper and, I mean, broke his arm. Two wow. plates, 12 screws. Oh, so wow. he still made over 100 matches. Like, that's, yeah. We've, commitment. Yeah, yep. commitment. And we've got, we've got a pretty good retention rate. So, uh, uh, as I do... While uh, <laughs> while the, the conversation's going on, I'm, I was listening. But I'm on your um, your Facebook page. So can you talk us through the the the, the play a better game at, that uh, is at Vic Park? Um, I think that that slogan kind of the way I always see it come up is that it, it the club itself was started with women's teams and by an ex AFL footy player. Right. So, this was the better football that we got into. Um, we knew that's, that. That's how I, I, that's how I always read it. So, yeah, and we do. We, we play, and, I mean, this club is, it's a family. And that's one of those things, once you're Vic Park, you're always Vic Park. I mean, we've got players that have come back to us after, you know, stints at higher levels. We've got players that still keep in touch over in Africa, like it, we're a family. So the New Jerseys, how are they looking? Yeah, they're pretty good. They're pretty uh, good? Yeah, the orange ones, yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. It's been a little too long to get them, but yeah. <laughs> I have to say that Big Park have some pretty nice jerseys yep. year after year. Well, we've got some in-house graphic designers. So yes. 
that helps. It <laughs> does help. In fact, uh, Andy's wife, Rachel Pepper. Pepper. Rep, Rachel yep, Pepper. Pep, yeah. Yeah, she's going to play on my Masters team in the Australian <laughs> Masters yeah, coming up in October. <laughs> we get some nice training equipment printed up too from some of the girls that uh, promo tick decal. Yep. and printing, so... Good, yeah, give them a plug, why not? Yeah, so uh, I'm interested, going back to the Tony Popovich... Um, <laughs> Love like, fest. Yeah, like, <laughs> thank you, yeah. Um, so you, talk us through your coaching philosophy and have you ever coached females, by the way? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They, when I, I started with high school girls, well, didn't start with high school girls, but that was... I, did high, I coached high school girls in the US. That's when I started getting grey. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. That's... Yeah, that's and that's not a lie. <laughs> okay, so then you, you I know you come to Australia, so that was in the collegiate system back in the US. No, it's just high school. Okay, high school system. Gotcha. And when I came to Australia, I played over in New South Wales, out in Newcastle, for Adamstown for a few years, and um, then when my husband got his job, sent him over here to Perth, came over and had every expectation I was going to find an over thirty fives team because I was ready to play some Masters and slow down and not... And what did I do? I went and joined Beckenham <laughs> and chased 18-year-olds around for a year and went, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I'm an old bird right now. What am I doing? Um, and then moved on to Vic Park for a little, you know, like a... a I don't want to say... A change? A, a, a change, but a, a, a slower... So I didn't have to push... I didn't have to push to that. I wasn't trying to go up to Premier League. No. Like, and I wasn't trying to play with state and You wanted NPL to enjoy players. your football in a social manner. Exactly. Yeah. I yep. wanted to come back. I wanted to just play recreational football again. And then my body said, you're not playing any football anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you transitioned to coaching. I started coaching. So they started up the men's program. And when they asked, when Vic Park asked if I was, you know, ready to start coaching and if I wanted to start coaching I figured I'd be coaching one of the women's teams and I said no we're starting men's program what do you think those are your boys preseason let's go get them I'm like okay <laughs> cool and the rest is history so. good and you're still looking pretty relaxed about that I'm, I'm happy with that so what's your coaching philosophy um I like them to I, I like to coach by you know by doing I want them to to learn by doing, by training, by, you know, getting touches in the ball. And at this level, everyone gets a fair go. Everyone gets playing time because it is. It's recreational football. Yes. It's Sunday league. You're not – you're here to have enjoyment in football, not – you know, and we're all paying the same amount of registration fees. So, mm. yep, everyone should have a fair go and – so where, where's your a kinship to Tony Popovich? What's, what are you liking about his style? I like to say, I watched him, I started watching, noticed him with the Wanderers, and that was when the Wanderers were still new, and that was, I kind of chose that team. Yep. And so you do have an affiliation just because of Tony Popovich. Yeah, but I kind of follow him because yeah. <laughs> this was, we were living in Newcastle at the time, so like we were going to Newcastle games, and then the Wanderers started up, and my husband's like, well, you're just going to switch teams every year. I'm like, I'm going to follow that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then when he came to glory, and he's, he seems to be one of those coaches that will push and is determined with what he's trying to get across and what his game plan, what he's trying to do, and the players respect him for yep. that. Yep. 
and yeah, that's I think that's anything. That's all any coach can really hope for is absolutely. Yeah, great to have that and, and to get that respect because well, you clearly got leading. respect because you're asked back the second year and the third year. And how many years you've been coaching there now? This is year six. Okay, so you <laughs> clearly got all of that. And you said Vic Park's been going seven years. Yeah, they had women. Just wow. Mm. So um, you were almost no, the eight, inaugural coach. Sorry, eight years because they had one year. I've been at Vic Park for seven years because yep. they had one year. The first year I didn't play. I was at Beckenham. And then I played the second year and then the men for... That's great. We are going to go to a break and come back and chat more football, of course, with Greg Farrell, who is the under-23s coach at Northern Redbacks and coaching development officer at (laughs) Futsal WA. This is Becky, Penny and Hugh on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in. Stay with us. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. I'm Penny Tannerhoe. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, The World Football Program. Hi, I'm Penny Tannerhoe. It's season 34 for The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia. Morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look, with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website. The World Football Program. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Becky and Hugh in the studio. And on the line we've got Greg Farrell. Good morning, Greg. Hello, Greg. (laughs) Greg, are you there? Damn it. Okay, I've lost Greg. No worries. Maybe women's NPL fixes while I get Greg on the line. Oh, I'd actually... Uh, I'll get on. those. Yeah, no, no, I've, I've got the, the men's stately one up there. Go on, <laughs> the, you go so we've got the Western Knights again. Today's fixtures are all three o'clock kickoffs. Uh, it's the Western Knights against Quinns. So that's a bit of a, a journey there for the Quinns to come down for that one. Mandras City will play at home against UWA Nedlands. We've got Swan United will play Sterling Lions. And as we all know, Sterling Macedonia. Uh, Fremantle City will play Subiaco. Joondalup United will play at home to Forest Field. And then we have almost a local derby. Sean Kelly uh, is Ashfield will be playing against Olympic Kingsway. And in that mumbling and bumbling through there, we think Penny's got Greg back on board. Are you there, Greg? Yes, I'm 
Hello. Good morning. How's everyone? Ah, morning, Greg. Yes. <laughs> Penny, she's got the air. But she just scored the World Cup goal. <laughs> All good. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what just happened with Telstra just then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Nothing at all to do with this professional end, okay? Um, so we've we've got Becky uh, Petrowski in the studio here. We've been talking about her love affair with um, Tony um, Popovich um, and his coaching style. <laughs> Um, but also there's been a lot of things happening in football uh, this week, none of which, uh, the least of which, of course, is the international window. Um, what's happening from your end that's exciting you in football this week, Greg? Well, seeing the, the Matildas and the Socceroos back on TV is is obviously a, a very big one. Um, the, the European Championships in um, football uh, are, have also... Well, are also probably going to be keeping everyone up late at night over the next month or so. Yep. Um, and there's also finals from a lot of the futsal leagues in Europe, which have been keeping me up late at night Excellent. over the last week or two as well. Yep, that's good. And are they to do with the international window as well? Um, so, well, a lot of the, the it's the the international um, cup competitions, and then like similar to the the European Championships and the uh, Champions League sort of thing. So, so best of the best. Um, yes, definitely. And you're starting to see transfers. Well, I mean, you'll start to see transfers happening in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Transfers as in players getting club, exchanged? Club, club transfers. transfers. Okay, gotcha. Yep. All yeah. right. So where can we see this? Direct our listeners to places where they can see top futsal. Uh, well, the, the the Spanish the Spanish football league is the best one in the world. So it, it's called the the LNFS. Um, their their men's and their women's leagues are, are both the the best leagues in the world. Um, yeah, there's there's plenty of Instagram and and Facebook posts all the time from them. Um, if you just look up LNFS dot I think it's dot sport dot eu. Um, they have lots of European sport as well. People can can watch it live in the the app, um, which is really good because it's not something that you have to worry about paying for. It's a free app. Cool. And do they have a, a big audience? Like, uh, do they have in a stadium with people watching, or is COVID affecting? Yeah, them? yeah. So, no they they've had they've had audience oh, not audience <laughs> audiences. They've had crowds back building up from twenty five percent to fifty percent over the last month or so. Um, they're not at full capacity yet, though. Yep. Yeah, fair enough, but they're building back up to it. And what kind of crowds could they yeah. get? Like, I have no idea what a futsal stadium would look like. Um, similar to basketball crowds. So, cause, and, and a lot of the big European clubs have their basketball and their futsal teams play in the same arena. So the, the bigger clubs, uh, I've been to Intermo Vista and, and Barcelona games where there have been seven, eight, up to 12,000 people. Um, that's that's sort of uh, a relatively standard game. Um, the some of the Brazilian leagues play in front of up to sort of twenty and twenty five thousand. Cool. Um, they have slightly bigger stadiums. That could be a good money spinner for the sport. Hmm. Oh, it's certainly big for those clubs. Definitely, yeah. So that's where um, futsal started, wasn't it, Greg? In in Brazil, it it, it was. Well, I mean, I guess it, it it has its origins in in Portugal um, as well. Like I think they they both had the 
the the word football sala means foot football inside yep. um, football hall. So anywhere that's not an actual football pitch um, with an eleven aside, I guess when kids are playing in the streets and having a little kick around at school, that that was sort of what they associated with it. Mm. Um, and and I guess that sort of happens everywhere. So it, it's interesting. I did do what you just asked me to. I've jumped on the website there, and, and like most people would think that um, Barcelona or Real Madrid would be a powerhouse of, um, of soccer or football. Any kind of football, really. Any kind of yeah. football. But um, uh, Intermovie Star have got 14 futsal titles. I mean, that's incredible. Who, who's that? Intermovie Star. Yeah, so in, Intermovie Star is... Sounds very romantic. Oh, I'm pronouncing <laughs> it the Australian way. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you're fine. They've been the, the, one of the top football clubs in the world for the last 20 or 30 years. Um, and the, the actual team is Inter, but Movista is the, the television broadcast yep. brand you were way off, you. that they're, they're sponsored by. <laughs> no, I've always got it. So, I mean, uh, Movista uh, sponsor a great deal yeah. of uh, sporting uh, teams in a variety of different sports as well. So I've always called it Movie Star, they, but that, that's my Australian accent coming through really badly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they're one of the best sides. Like Barcelona, Real Madrid don't actually have a futsal side. Yeah. Um, Athletic Madrid had a women's futsal team, but they've never had a men. Um, but they actually they sort of gave up on that a little while ago. Um, but a, a lot of the big clubs now, especially in Germany, are starting to look at it as well. They're starting, well, their futsal league is starting to take off really well. Does it equal big money, like um, pay transfers and wages? And um, you said that um, some of the crowds are getting up to the twenty to twenty five thousand. I assume. If that happens on a regular basis, that's a regular income that would then create merchandising, you know, global branding, streaming, and all those kind of things that you start to, yeah, a club would go, well, we want to add that to our brand. Let's think about futsal. Yeah, and that that is, uh, I would suggest that's a a big part of what, with with some of the clubs, it's a big consideration is how to market to different audiences and and bring in variety to their club. uh, and even even now with with Australian clubs, there are, are quite a few of the the NPL clubs back home in Queensland who are starting to invest in futsal for their juniors, and then starting to put senior teams into the futsal competition, just as a, a I guess a point of difference, something to to give kids opportunities that they wouldn't necessarily have, but also keep some of their senior players engaged across the summer and, and active and doing other things. And how how is futsal in WA here with name change, rebranding, etc.? Yeah, going really well. Um, we are lucky in WA. We have a very strong group of futsal players and we've been playing futsal all year round for the last five or six years, which is very rare. It doesn't happen... In, in Queensland, they have a couple of leagues which have tried across the years, but New South Wales and Victoria, there's a couple of independent competitions that do run all year round, but they play in very small, some very small courts in in sort of rec centres that are, are meant just for either, I guess, children-sized courts or uh, youth-sized courts. They don't actually play 
proper international size futsal because it's the big court is a, a, a vastly different sport almost in itself from playing on a, a basketball size court which is 30 by 15 the international size court can be up to 45 by 25 and it makes a huge difference when you're playing 5v5 on that size field do you, do you have a crossover in winter between your club northern redbacks and futsal like do you um, start putting a few sessions with futsal in when the weather's a bit horrible and it looks like you can't train because of lightning and whatever do you, do you add futsal in at a local center or one of your futsal centers we have yeah so um, I think it, it was not last year the year before the there was a particularly heavy several heavy several weeks of of rain and and whatever and I think two or three weeks in a row we had the girls come down and just do a futsal session. So it was lots and lots of movement, lots of high intensity play. Um, and, it, and it meant that they were, they were dry and they were a little bit warmer and a vast difference to what was going on outside. Mm. Um, just moving across into your, one of your other hats, of course, um, NPL 23's coaching. Is this your first season as the NPL 23's coach there at Redbacks? It is, yes. Okay. Well, so when I'm when I moved to Redbacks a couple of years ago, I was coaching the reserves and the first team, and then last year with the MPL, the reserves became the twenty threes. Yep. And then this year, sorry, I think. Can you hear me? Yes. Again, yep. 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 Um, this year with the switch over of with it with. The rebranding and everything with futsal, I sort of said that I was going to be very busy, and that I didn't think I could do the workload with the first team, um, and so that was the the reason then for the move to the twenty threes. And has it brought less workload for you? <laughs> <laughs> um, How's that gone? You kind you kind of go into those things with a hope and. Uh, Sometimes it doesn't exactly work out. It, it it is a little bit less workload. There's, I guess, with, with the twenty threes, it's a different type of football. You're you're not you're, your main focus isn't winning. It's about development. So, in terms of training, you're you're able to work to a set plan a little bit more because you don't have to be quite as reactionary with with first team coaching. It's you're you're reacting to what's happened on on in the last weekend, and the team that you're playing specifically, you're trying to cater your sessions to to those things. Whereas with developmental coaching, it's about having them understand roles and responsibilities, and 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 different roles and responsibilities as well, um, helping them to learn ways to to manage games and and to problem solve during games rather than the, the focus, again, being on winning. Yes, absolutely. Good. So do you think that the 23s league or the change from reserves to age capping is helping the development of girls and women's football? Oh, it definitely is. There was a... And I'm, I'm on the women's standing committee as well when you're talking about other hats. Um one of the big issues that I've seen in, in Brisbane as well is where there's very, very good players and players who 
could be first team players at a club playing reserves or twenty threes or twenties in some of the other states at, at another club. It's it's fine if they're playing with their friends and that's what they want to do. As a social football thing, that's that's social football. If you're not on the development pathways and and you're above the age group for whatever limitation it is, then could you be playing at another club, playing in the first team of that club and making that club better? Um, and that, that was one of the big things that I know Football Federation Australia, when they decided that the NPLs, the, the reserves and the youth teams were going to be age-restricted, was to try and make sure that those developmental pathways were being freed up. Um, and I think if you look at the spread that's happened in the women's NPL, there are a lot of players now that are moving clubs because they're on the fringes of the first team at one club and they want to play first-team football. And so that's making the league as a whole better. Um, it, it obviously means that in some situations, players aren't staying with their friends in big groups, but is that a bad thing? Definitely not. If it means that the league's getting better, more players are getting opportunities to play at higher levels when they're ready, then it's definitely a positive. Yeah, just looking at the tables across the NPL as in first team versus the NPL 23s. So with the with the 23s, I think I've got this table around the correct way. So Fremantle are on top, then Curtin, Perth Soccer Club, Mum FC and NTC. And in the that was the 23s. And then in the senior, so the table for the NPLWA is Mum FC, and I'm just going after the game last night because <laughs> um, we had a, a win, okay. Um, Mum FC, then Northern Redbacks, Fremantle, NTC, Balcata, Perth, Curtin and Subiaco. So there's a big difference in the first team to the second team tables. So my thought yeah. on my thought on that is that I would have thought that if each of the clubs has a very strong underpinning program, that maybe their reserve team or twenty threes team would be following them through the table. Mm. Yeah, in, in some situations, but then you also have to look at the the context regarding some of the first teams. Like, like last season with Northern Redbacks, we had a ridiculous injury list at different points in time. And I think some of that was partly because of COVID. And we've had a similar situation this season where um, I'm pretty sure from the girls that I had in the 23s at the start of the at the start of the season, we've had eight of them make their first team yeah. debut. Um, and there's there's also been another couple who have become almost regulars in the first team because of injury, because of illness, because of changing work situations. Um, and so I think that's had a little bit of an effect. Um, it's also, I know that other clubs have been struggling with injury as well, like Perth Soccer Club. Um, I know they've had quite a few situations where they've only had one or two players on the bench for their 23s. And I think everyone's still trying to get back to the position that we were before COVID in terms of infrastructure and, and physical fitness with players because having that three and six month downtime period that we had um, is still having effects now, especially with, with players who did semi-serious injuries last season. 
Yeah, um, Gemma, Gemma Crane springs to mind, actually. She was playing for Fremantle, I think was it the early part of last year, and she got injured. Yeah. And then where did she turn up playing? Uh, Perth Soccer Club. Perth. She's playing for now. Yeah, well, she got injured playing for the glory, but... That's it, yeah. Um, but there's there's lots of players who... I mean, um, Caitlin Douglas has, has hurt her knee playing for Perth Soccer Club. Um, but there's been three or four players each, each year in the last two years have done, done ACLs or other serious injuries. And, I mean, it happens every year, but... It seems to me that there's been quite a few more injuries in, in the, the last couple of seasons than we would normally expect. Yep. And so, Greg, it, it, it's a, a good recommendation and, and, and kudos to you that you've got eight players from your 23s now into the first team. Where, where do you make up the numbers for those players that leave the 23s? Where are you getting that, uh, that talent pool from to, to fill that void? So we've got uh, an amateur team which... When there was supposed to be the NPL 18s competition this season, yep. we advertised and we had trials for that team. Those players, when the NPL 18s didn't happen, um, they became our amateur team in the amateur league. Um, it's, it's certainly not ideal. We would have preferred them to be playing in the NPL 18s as it was supposed to be. Um, but playing in the amateur league means they're playing against senior women quite often they're playing against several players who in the past have been NPL or, or Premier League level players so there's there's a good variety of opponent and a, and a good level of player that they're playing against um, it, it just means that there is more of an emphasis for, for some of those teams on winning where an NPL 18 competition would again be primarily focused on development mm-hmm. And this is the whole underpinning structure of an elite competition, isn't it? Same with NPL men's and NPL women's. If you think of the really strong NPL clubs, uh, say uh, Joondalup, Perth Soccer Club, et cetera, et cetera, they have their first team, their reserve team, um, and how many other teams below that, and then they'll pull players up, and then they'll have all the other teams below them and a huge junior program so that they can constantly be reviewing, developing, maintaining players. Injury absence can take their toll, but they'll step out. Others will step in. And that, if you don't have that in any program that has got a pathway, then the program is going to fall down. And I think that maybe some of the clubs... Uh, in the women's NPL at the moment, are still developing those pathways so that they um, can lose players at the top because you have Perth Glory players that will be committed and they can't play night series or the end of a season um, and then they'll be leaving the NPL and then you'll have to pull from your 23s and your underpinning programs and then they'll have to pull from their underpinning programs if you don't have them then I guess that's a bit of a heads up for the club that, okay, in the next season, we've got to be looking towards having those programs in place. So, Well, well, and, that, and that's why we, we, we made a big push with the Women's Standing Committee for Football West to mandate that clubs had juniors. Um, it hasn't happened properly yet because clubs aren't forced to have under-14s, under under-16s, which they should. Um and it should even be down to under 12s and then under 10s and mini roots. If, if clubs aren't contributing to the development of football at this level, they're not winning the W League, they're not winning the Champions League, 
then they're not contributing to the development of the game. Yes. Now, if, if your first if your first team is winning every single season, brilliant. What have you actually contributed to football in Australia? Very, very little. Um, so that that's a big part of the reason why that development pathway is important, because then everyone is doing some of the work, and hopefully the next Sam Kerr or the next Elise Callan Knight doesn't slip through the net and end up playing AFL. Yeah, legacy, definitely. Now, before we let you go, um, just... It, the cup rounds in all competitions are progressing. Women's Metro Cup quarterfinals are coming up. Women's State Cup uh, round three is... Hang on. It'll be the quarterfinals. I think it's quarterfinals. Yep, yeah, I think so. Yep, I always get confused uh, with the rounds and whatever. Um, so if you look on footballwest.com.au, you can find out all the cup competitions and where they're at and go and watch some games over the next uh, three or four weeks. There'll be lots of games midweek and outside of the norm on Saturdays and Sundays. Actually, NPL doesn't really have a norm these days, does it, Greg? Because there's Friday night games, which is actually pretty cool because you can go watch a game after work, you can catch it on live streaming, or there might be a Saturday doubleheader with the guys' games, which is pretty fantastic, I reckon, or you can have a Sunday fixture. So there's lots of fixtures all outside of the norm and cup fixtures coming up. So some clubs have got to really have the underpinning programs happening here because you might be playing Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. That's a lot of games for an amateur footballer. Um, Greg, thank you very much for joining us. I really do appreciate your time today and get out and enjoy your football. I'm sure you've already been enjoying it this morning with coaching. <laughs> yeah, we started at 8.30 this morning. So, <laughs> oh, so a uh, late start then? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, know. I had a lazy sleep. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, mate. In, enjoy and Thanks. good luck with any games you've got coming up over the weekend. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Greg. See ya. Bye-bye. That was Greg Farrell, coaching director for Futsal WA and Northern Redbacks under 23 NPL coach. A lot on his plate always. In fact... Most people we talk to have a pretty full they do. football calendar. Yep. So I've found those fixtures for you, Pen. Now, you said that um, mum have gone top of the table. What was that? You said mum went top of the table with the result last night. Do you have the result for the Northern Redbacks NTC game? Because uh, they also played uh, Friday night. They did. So the result was... Yeah, I, don't, I can't find that one. But, oh, uh, no, I do know the result. Yeah. So, but while Penn finds that one, we've got uh, the fixtures on Sunday, which is Perth SC. This is for the NPLWA women's fixtures round 10. Perth oh. SC will play Curtin Uni and Balcata will play Subiaco AFC. And I've got the ladder here Five that one. has Redbacks top. Five Northern Redbacks. Five Northern Redbacks. Which would keep Redbacks top of the table. Oh, <laughs> so I've got the, I've got the table at Redbacks top, <laughs> Mum FC second. Uh, Frio uh, third and uh, the NTC fourth. Okay. Um, Mum FC, you're in the top two. Yeah. (laughs) Dave Kindness texted in. Good on you, Dave. Good morning. Was driving earlier. Correct. Scotland has never made it into the finals of the World Cup or Euros. However, we are always hopeful there'll be some late nights coming up for Dave, I'm sure. Turn it up, Dave. You're actually saying I got something right there. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football with Becky, Penn, and Hugh on the World Football Program. Thanks for listening in. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. 
Auswest Fencing and Royal Cheyenne. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Auswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au It's been 46 years since football in Australia last had a truly nationwide knockout cup competition and now it's back for the first time since 1968. We are about to witness the magic of the cup. And an historic night for the game in Australia is underway. It's Petit. Petit 1-2. It's got Sydney Olympic now back on level terms in the New South Wales Derby. Sydney Olympic 1, Manly United 1. Another great club, number four, the Western Sydney Wanderers. The World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. I've seen it all. Australia hasn't even kicked a goal in the cup. Brazil has kicked 191. <laughs> yeah, Johnny. Sorry, I couldn't resist. That was back from 2016 or something like that. Bresciano hit the ball and got the old guy, smacked him in the head, and he tumbled down the... Um, I don't know the the stadium chairs. What are you going on? Sorry, it was just so funny. <laughs> yep, just had to bring that back and <laughs> go the Socceroos because I I laugh at that and that was all about taking the mick that everyone is really wanting the Socceroos to do well, but you never quite get there. Aaron, good morning or good afternoon, I should say. What what do you think about the Socceroos at this moment? Aaron, please be there. Aaron, are you there? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. we go. <laughs> Hang on. What's happened to the volume in this damn thing? So, Aaron, with, with the... Are you there, Aaron? Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, yeah. yes. Woohoo. Good. Sorry, uh, bugs. So, what do you think of the campaign? 
you know. Um, How um, are the Socceroos doing? Yeah. I mean, records yeah, away from home, consecutive wins, you know, flying high. Yeah, they obviously they obviously dominated a fairly easy group um, at this point. Obviously, the only real tough game I'd say in that group and the only team that's kind of really challenged us, challenged us in Asia, um, you know, recently um, is Jordan. And yep. we've got them in a few days' time. So... It'll be impressive if we can make um, good work with them as well because um, beating the likes of Chinese Taipei and Nepal and stuff, as impressive as it is, um, yeah. you know, it doesn't... It's, it's three points at the end of the day and you, you need that. It's, you need comfortable wins there. We've got a decent goal difference. Um, we've already advanced to the next stage. Uh, but, yeah, look, the Jordan's the only real team in that group that was ever going to give me in a way. And they should, they should because I think we're, we should be miles above them. Um but yeah, they always seem to give a little bit of fight. Um, but yeah, we're already sealing qualification for the next round of the World Cup qualifying. Um, it'd be nice to see us put on a show on Jordan and kind of just, you know, really know what this new freedom um, story is about, really. Aaron, your phone's breaking yep. up a, a little bit there. If we lose you, I, I will ring you back, okay? But what I will ask, Aaron, okay. I mean, one of the reasons that Australia. Uh, way back when, decided to jump out of Oceania and mm. into the Asian Football Confederation was to stop playing what most people believe to be meaningless games against opponents, no disrespect to those that we played recently or, or in history, against, you know, less opponents competitive. That, that would be less competitive. Thank yep. you, Penny. Yep. And we seem to find ourselves back in the same situation. Now, I was talking to a few... Uh, aficionados of the game, they're going, oh, no, 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 you know, England, they're always in a tough group. I say, well, hang on a minute. You know, you can get a side like Gibraltar who, if they win or get results out of, you know, eight games, can play in the World Cup. Australia have to play the best part of 20, 24 games to get to the World Cup. Are we still in that same situation of playing supposedly meaningless games? Well, they're not meaningless, obviously, because it's a step on the on the road to the, to the World Cup. But, you know, majority of our games against less competitive sides before we get to the meat of the competition. Mm. Sorry, I went around that the long way, but... Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you on that, and taking us out of the Oceania group was exactly for that, so that we could um, play against more competitive teams and develop our own national program. Yeah. And, um, and then, then they changed the qualification process to get us into three different qualification rounds. Yep. It's like, well, come on, why can we not just play or at least get a buy in one of these rounds so that we're not smacking, you know, sides like, you know, Bangladesh and Nepal and Chinese Taipei. Yeah. What do you reckon, Aaron? I sure. think... Um, obviously, you look at the... You can look at the tackles for all these second rounds. So um, some of the teams comfortable breathing. Japan scored 44 goals in seven games. Yeah. Um, maximum points. Similar to us, obviously we've scored a little bit, but we'll take a maximum point. And then you've got Korea, don't you get troubled either. Um, so yeah, there's these bigger region names that don't get troubled by this. Um, these second round matches, obviously the first round's probably even, even easier. Um, so yeah, it's really, I guess it's just getting... Um, it's just getting games in before the real stuff begins. If you if you're struggling in these um, rounds, then obviously it's a worry. But for Australia, um, we should be comfortably winning this, and we should honestly we should be comfortably qualifying for the World Cup every yeah. year. To be honest, every every four years, to be honest with you, um, and we do seem to make a bit harder work of it than we should. So, with the um, some of the the arguments we've had recently with um, 
the Socceroos in camp for the World Cup qualifiers and we've got the under-23s in camp for the Olympics coming up. Would it have not have been a little bit more advantageous to have some of these emerging under-23 players, you know, I don't know about giving them easy caps, but making their debut at a higher level against, as Penny says, a, a less competitive side so they can we can see how they play in, you know, the pressure of a qualification game and would also allow those players to have the match hard hardness that they need coming up for this very tough uh, Olympic uh, group of games. I mean, we've got Argentina, Spain and Egypt. I mean, you look at those those three teams and I've, I honestly think we've, we're in for a bit of pain there at the, at the Olympics. <laughs> Pen's giggling, but, I mean, you come up against the Argentinian 23s and you think, oh, gee whiz, that's yeah. not good. Then you come up against the Spain under 23s and go, oh, my goodness, we need a result. And then Egypt after that go, crikey, we have to get a result. Oh. So um, just before you can jump in there, Aaron, I, I watched some of the under-23 games. Yep. And the Socceroos versus the under-23s are completely yeah. different. So I'm thinking under our under-23s got beaten by Romania, I think it was, 1-0. One, one They're playing Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know what their other game is in the lead-up to the Olympics. And I'm thinking, whew, boys, if some of you, you lads want to be playing for the Socceroos then we've got some work to do there. Mind you, I possibly would have put daggers in with the Socceroos. Uh, maybe he might have benefited from being more in with us, the first team squad rather than the Ollie Roos. But my thought on that was that we need those underpinning programs. We need them to be playing some tough games and more games. But COVID and the international window is maybe n- not enough space or enough time or, or whatever it is, Aaron, to get all of those things right. And here we are, the Ollie Roos are playing at the same time as the Socceroos are playing their World Cup qualifiers. Does that happen very often? Because I, I don't think that's like um, really good well, planning. I think, I think that's two, two sides. Socceroos, obviously, it's good to see them get um, more minutes and, you know, get at the same time. You, you do need to start jumping the squad together. And obviously, there's, few, there's quite a few players still need to be playing um, week in, week in, or, you know, when these tournaments are going and stuff for... The soccer is, I don't think you can bring too many of them. But yeah, it's nice to see a few brought in. But then on the other side, the soccer is, a, I suppose, the Oluru is about playing an Olympic tournament. And that's, a, you know, it's every four years, you know, just like World Cups. And the major tournament today, a lot of big names have won medals. That, um, <clears throat> at Argentina team, for example, they had you know, the likes of Lionel Messi and Sergio Aguero yeah. in their in the World Cup. They team was put time. So we have a lot of work to do, I think, in this country. And it'd be really nice to try to go far in this tournament. But it's, I think even even Egypt will be a lot better than us. You know, um, I saw Drew, Drew won all. I know down 2-1 Ireland, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, there's some players in that squad. But yeah, it's kind of a difference between the boys versus the men, I think, because a lot of these uh, Olympic squads, their their teams, they all play, you know, men's football week in week out for big clubs, and some of our boys are still some of those Ollie Roos have don't have many minutes in you know A League sides or first grade squads. You know, some of them are playing around the world, but yeah, they're, they're playing you know second division things like that. 
Yeah. Yep. Y- yeah. This line's got a lot better too. Wherever you are right now, don't move. <laughs> do <Darren>. not move. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get you to do the uh, the mobile dance for uh, for us. We're going one step forward, two steps back, one step back, one step forward. <laughs> yes. So just out of the Socceroos squad, um, I've watched their games and. Um, th- Arnie's trying a lot of players. He's got yeah. 32 players that he has to try across all these games. And the, the players that have really stood out for me that I think re- look really comfortable and can do a job going forward for soccer is a Boyle yeah. and Jean, Jean Rowe, I think that's how you pronounce his surname, Grant as a defender, yep. and McLaren. Like those four players to me have looked just comfortable playing for the Socceroos. Yep. Christic looked pretty good as well. Yep. Suter looks great. Yep. There's a lot of there's a lot to like. I mean, I know there's people saying, "Oh, you know, you only beat Nepal three 0 I mean, that's what their fifth game in a row in in foreign in a in a hub situation. So three 0 is good enough for me, I think. Yep, yep. Um, it's, well, it's, it's, it's getting it's the confidence. Sorry that we um withdrew from the Copper America because that would have been a really nice test. Um, yeah. Obviously, we were after that, and you know, then we would have been playing you know some big big teams. And yes, it could have been a very big wake up call. But I think it's probably one we needed because this this group that we're in now, obviously we cruised through it, and we were, we were always going to. Yeah. Take us over to America, it was Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, any of those sides, and we might sneak a result, but it will get the boys playing together um, for each other, and you know, work for a bigger, a bigger goal. Which I think Copa America, I personally think, would have done more for us. This group would have, but. Uh, Obviously, circumstances are different with COVID and things like that. So, but I do think that would have been a really a good step for us in the right direction. Yeah, oh, I wasn't going to mention it, but I, but I am. And so, just because the the materials have been playing at the same time as the Socceroos <laughs> World Cup qualifiers, the journey for the Matildas in their lead up to the Olympics, and the Olympics is not age capped, so it's our full Matildas squad. And we've had some tough games: Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, and Sweden coming up. Yep, and and we just. We haven't got it together yet, Aaron, and I, I didn't. I didn't want to mention it because we we're talking to Tash Rigby from the Glory Afters, <laughs> and it would be an appropriate <laughs> time to yourself, talk about. I, I know I couldn't, and <laughs> uh, I think you know maybe some less tough opposition where we could have had the confidence to get a good win under the belt, like the Socceroos are going through their easier group. Um, and got confidence. They're trying all the players. They're working out the combinations. They're getting the wins. They're they able then to say, okay, this isn't working, that's working. But with the Matildas, what, you know, I, I just think that's a tough call playing Netherlands, Germany, Denmark. And just not, just for me as a fan and seeing them play, I'm like, how do you work on that when you're under such pressure? And you've got a football tournament coming up in the Olympics um, at the end of this month or next month, and they're going to be playing more tough opposition. How are they going to work that out one? Aaron, give me the answer for that one, please. <laughs> <laughs> 50 um, words or less, please. I personally, <laughs> I personally think you can, you can date this back to ever since Alan Sajid um, got the sack. Yeah. Um, and look, there's circumstances there. We don't, nobody really knows the full extent of that um, dismissal, but he had this Matilda's team firing on all mm-hmm. cylinders. And I think he was taking his team in the right direction. And if I'm honest with you, I wouldn't have been surprised to see us go deep in a in a World Cup or go deep in this Olympic with that squad. He had he just had everything going for him. Um, and you can even see when he's coming to Maris. But I won't mention that. Uh, but yeah, going forward now, he's his record results have dented the confidence massively. And it's, yeah, it's not what's on going into a, a group with you know the best team in the world to say. I, th- yeah. yep. um, I, 
I think also, let's not understate the fact that we've had 18 months without fixtures. So COVID's been in the belly of that. And then a whole stack of the Matildas went overseas and started to play professional football. So they were no longer here playing in the W League or in Australia, which meant that we have have the Socceroos Challenge, really. We've got players all around the world. Now, we did want to move on. Um, We've got uh, A-League Finals, FFA Cup. Um, and Lecky signed for three years for um, Melbourne City, which is surprising, but a great move for Melbourne <sighs> City. And Perth Glory playing Melbourne Victory in the Cup. Does that mean Popper's going to be coaching Melbourne Victory? Becky, do you know the answer to that one? I don't, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a love affair happening here with Be- Becky's Becky. I don't, pop- don't want to have to cheer for that yeah. side. No, that's Becky's right. That's good. Group We're not going to make you either. Yeah. <laughs> So, Aaron, with um, with a few things, like we've got, um, as Penny likes to call it, the Beckham rule coming into the A-League. How's that going to affect uh, the international window for our domestic competition? You know, with the designated marquee player or two, because they're still going through that, um, that thought process of whether it's going to be a marquee player or two marquee players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure exactly how that's going to work, but I think it will, it will help grow um, the the league for sure. Um, I think we're, I think we are moving in the right direction with, this, with the A League and, and the W League as well. For example, the obviously the broadcasting rights have changed, which is a positive. And I think I think it's just it's, it's good to see you know the salary cap being a bit um, you know a bit weakened, which is nice. Um, and yeah, so I think it's, it's it's a step in the right direction for sure. So we've got. Um Becky here with us. Becky, how did you think the um, that designated marquee player worked in the MLS when they brought that in? I mean, as Penny calls it, the, the Beckham rule. I mean, a player of that stature and that ability, what what did he bring to that, I, that I particular was, region? I was over here. When no, 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 but from an American perspective. I, we all knew about it, though, yeah, Becky. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I just read about it yesterday, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks you, for you, throwing you, me under the bus there. You, no, you know, no, there's no, a, a guy called David Beckham, though. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I'm trying to Another get the one nice here. on the eyes, you know. <laughs> no, um, I think if you want to grow the game, you want to grow viewership, you need to bring in Marquee. players that are going to draw that the audience yep. and draw the spectators. And if you're not going to pay them, they're not going to come. Yeah, that, that's right. So and if the, if the audience that you want or the viewership that you want is on a higher level than grassroots football, because if we want grassroots players to play in our W League, we'll have families watching them. Mm. If we want... Um, higher level people to be watching, like live stream it and then get sponsorships and put it on a global um, stream or network or platform, then we need to do what you're saying and get something in it, into the branding that makes it um, inviting and enticing yep. for that next level of people to want to watch it. Yep. Do you think that's uh, likely to happen, Aaron, with the... the I mean, I'm, I don't need you to go into the fall ins and outs of the new broadcasting rights, but do you think that some of these, you know, Designated marquee players are going to be enticed to the A League, knowing that uh, they may not be on, you know, the, the big screen for for one of a better phrase. Whoa. Well, I think for for the most part, players, I guess money does talk. Yep, uh, and a lot of the time they will go where the money is at. But I've had um, I've, I've read a few different articles recently about some players in the past who were likened to the A League but never received an offer. I think. <laughs> I can name one, for example, Diego Forlan, once upon a time, came out and said that he would he would have welcomed a move to the A-League, but he never received an offer. Offer, And he's a, he's a huge name. He's played in World Cups. He's yes. won World Cup Golden Boots, you know. 
And I think, in a way, Australia does need to splash the cash for these players um, because it's only going to grow the game. And you can see what David Beckham did for the MLS. You know, he was like that real first main player that kind of went over. And then you look at the, the names have attracted since. Yes, they have a, probably a much bigger budget than what the A-League does, but you can see what it does. And I think Joel Pierre, for example, coming over here, he did massive work for us. And then, in a way, again, we've kind of gone a little bit backwards since then. Um so yeah, I think it would. I think I can't hurt to grow the game. Honestly, I think if we need. I think we'll bring viewers in. Um, it'll get this league back in a competitive state in terms of viewership uh, in this country and overseas as well. So I think it, it honestly can do no good. Do you uh, in, in do no harm? Yeah, sorry uh, to jump in there. Do you do you not feel that there there is that risk that as great as he is, that a player like uh, Castro would be the designated marquee player? Uh, instead of us enticing designated marquee players, because mm. I mean, to, to, to give him his dues, I mean, uh, I mean, I know he's a Spanish international and he's played uh, in in, the, um, in uh, you know there's a variety of big leagues around the world. But if you were to go to England, go, we've got Diego Castro playing for us, they go, who? Whereas if you go, we've got Del Piero playing for us, they go, really, Craig? Mm. You know. Yeah, I think there needs to be a balance for sure as well because uh, some of the designated players we've had in the past have, you know, lit the league, up, you know, a light. You know, yeah. Marish, for example, he's had, a, he's had a long stay here um, with a few different clubs and he's scored a number of goals. Castro has had a very good yeah, spell yeah. here. Del Piero only had a couple of years or, you know, or whatnot. Um, and, you know, he was a bit older. So he was kind of, he was very much brought in for the name's sake, whereas some clubs obviously want to bring in a player who's still going to have a huge impact Moving forward, uh, I can name uh, Uli De Villa, for example, for Wellington Phoenix. Um, he he's young; he's still young enough to you know be playing his best football. If anything, he's probably close to his prime. And you can see the impact he had on Wellington. Um, being a Wellington fan, I'm sad that he's going to be off to MacArthur. Yeah, I believe. But no, I've seen that. We've got players players. like um, Graham Dorans. You know, that yeah, uh, uh, that's the worry I have that that clubs will. Uh, manipulate this designated player rule to get a player, and again, as an ex-West Brom player, we love Graham Dorrance, but uh, I wouldn't be putting him on the world stage as a designated marquee player, but some of the clubs in the A-League would, you know, just as you said, money talks. If they don't have the money to attract a Diego Forland, but they can attract a, a Graham Dorrance, and Graham Dorrance goes, well, by the way, I can see that I can be a designated marquee player here. I want the cash. That that's not really going to help grow the league in in the manner that this law was des, uh, designed for. This is a bit of a chicken or the egg argument, yeah, I yeah. reckon, because if we're talking about broadcasting and um, uh, you know the unbundling from the FA and how that's going to affect the um, audience and sponsorship and numbers in football over the next couple of years, we don't know the answer to those things. Um, we know that is it APL, the broadcasting body. Um, they said that, you know, support us and we'll support you. So basically people sign up for the, I think it's like, is it four ninety nine? you sign mm. up for something like that and you get so, so many games or, or whatever their, their program is or plan is. If people jump on board with that, they're going to put more money back into the system. If the same thing had happened to Fox, I feel, is that more people had to sign up for Fox, they would have then put more money back into the system, but that didn't happen. So what's the difference going to be? It might be the free-to-air component 
if that actually happens more than one game a week, I would say, then we might get more publicity of our game, more people will be watching it because they might flick the television on and it might actually be on, like <laughs> haphazardly, rather than I have to tune into a 7 o'clock on a Sunday evening to catch one game and it won't be the game that I support. So those kind of things are going to have to happen over time. We, we don't know the answers to them. I felt very passionate about that. Did it come across? I think it did. <laughs> anyway, um, what else have we got to talk about? The ACL. This is a good one too. So no Australian teams in the Asian Champions League. How uh, does that affect our, our qualification going forward? Has that been confirmed, uh, No, Aaron? I'm I mean, not sure it's confirmed. Because I'm, I'm of the opinion that um, if those clubs go, yeah, no thanks, Australia, or I mean the clubs themselves are going to get a huge whack, but Australia and the FA are going to be suffering the ramifications of that selfless decision, um, selfish decision by those three clubs. I mean, th- th- there's no way they can say we're not playing in the ACL. Uh, what's the reason? I didn't hear a particular it's, reason. It, apparently there's some sort of pandemic on. Okay, but there's hubs and all those kind of yeah, things, no, so it's no, a safety thing. No, yep. no, okay. no, we don't want to go. Caution. Is it at the same time as A-League finals or something? No. So no, no. Yeah, I believe, um, I believe the, the grandpa would have rushed with the, the games, I believe, yeah. 26th of June. So, uh, yeah, I don't think the city, for example, they missing a number of their best players who are to where they are. Uh, on the ladder, so I don't think they probably maybe didn't feel it was worthwhile. But in any case, this this has been their first year in Asian Champions League, uh, and what they've spent a lot of money and you know yeah. work into qualifying for. So I'm I was very shocked to see that their clubs are pulled yeah. out. And as you said, the clubs themselves will probably cop a hefty spot. It's not a potential end from the tournament for years to come. Yeah. And then yeah, maybe even Australia as a whole might the A League might cop a copper band as well so to to, to grow the eight league moving forward not ideal obviously we had the wanderers once upon a time win, win it did, did a well with the a league uh, and since then what have we achieved in the in the asian champions league yeah i i think this is coming back to the covid and the caution and looking after your playing group and also looking after your local competitions like if we've got our a league finals so we've got this, this weekend um, Central Coast are playing MacArthur, Brisbane Roar are playing Adelaide, and then we've got um, the elimination finals continuing in the next weekend. Um, then, and we've got our international window, and we've got players that have, are missing because they're playing in the international window. But the only reason the A-League finals are getting played now is because of uh, hubs, COVID, postponed matches. So everything's all out of sync, so everyone's having to accommodate. And this is just a problem of having to accommodate. So... I'm not quite sure it, the longer-term repercussions are going to be, you can't do this anymore. It's a, okay, well, how do we do it in a different way next time because this is what's happened this time and we're not the only country that's had to accommodate in this way, I'm sure. I'm sure at a local level they've got their other cup competitions happening and yeah. and people are making the same decision yeah. in different parts of the I world. Mean, can you, I mean, we're talking about Melbourne City. Can you imagine Manchester City going, yeah, I know we made the European <laughs> Cup final, but... I don't really want to go and I don't really want to be sanctioned if I don't. It's like, you, no, come on. What's, what are you even mm. thinking that? <laughs> well, look, yeah, the ACL might have had some sort of, probably involved, you know, had a, a good Asian Champions uh, League can we say, you know, what the potential repercussions from this because of the circumstances. And I think maybe the circumstances 
being the way they are, they will be let off with the little stuff in the wrist. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we can move forward next year. So I think last, the last Asian Champions League was played over a few weeks. You know, it was done and dusted real um, the last, last year's tournament. Well, it would have been just the end of last year, I think. And that was played over with few weeks. Um, I remember Kate Mel and Tati. So, so definitely, was, the process is a bit different now. And, yeah, it's a worldwide pandemic. So That's I right. think maybe that... Man, uh, the, the hit once off uh, in order to keep everybody you know, safe and keep our league grow, uh, get going at the same time as well. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, Aaron, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for your time today and I hope that you've got some fine weather over your way and you can get out and watch some football. That's the best way to support it, of course, is put your feet on the ground and go to a game. Yeah, that's it, blue skies. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Have a good weekend. That was Aaron Trevathon from the Football Tragic podcast, and his line was a bit broken up there. Yeah, so we apologise for that. That was out of our control. Yeah. So uh, that's, um, yeah, a little well, bit. We're going to go to a break and come back and chat more football with Natasha Rigby, the captain of Perth Glory. This is Pen and Becky and you. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. A true glory supporter is someone who gives a 100% on match day. Whether it's chanting, waving a flag, always there, always passionate, jumping up and down, going absolutely animal. And continuing to make a amazing atmosphere for football fans. I'll spend about eight to nine, maybe ten hours on Glory uh, during the week when we're making our banners and this and that. Well, the feeling when Glory score is just the most phenomenal feeling ever. Everything just stops. So there's a whole brief feeling of silence. Suddenly everyone just jumps up and down.
Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn, Becky and Hugh in the studio. And on the line we've got the Perth Glory captain of the W League team, Natasha Rigby. Good morning, Tash. How are you? Hey, Penn. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Super duper, actually. I was just uh, listening to the promo that we played prior to you coming on and that was um, Perth Glory taken for the men's team. But it'd be nice to have an absolutely full stadium of people going along to the Perth Glory W League team to watch you all play for the new season. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh my gosh, wouldn't it ever? That sounds like a dream to me. I think that's something we can all aim for and maybe with the new broadcasting rights and all the changes that are coming up, we'll hit on some kind of magic formulae that'll get a lot more people <laughs> getting out to the games watching you play, Tash. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, we're really looking forward to see what happens with 10. It's very exciting. It is, and we do have a new season coming up, and it feels like it's almost upon us. I personally feel like it's almost upon us because Glory has been very active in getting out and signing players. Like, they kind of sneak in because usually Glory leave it to the last minute and we don't kind of look out for these things. But they're hitting us all the time at the moment. It's great. Yeah, it's a completely different squad. Like, it's a completely different vibe. It's so exciting. And I think we are probably one of the first teams to be as active as we have in the W League. So, yeah, it's really promising um, to be so set and secure so early on. So, yeah, you're right. It's all very exciting. Well, it it is, and I feel that that's creating information out there on the social platforms that people are going to keep talking about, Glory. So don't give it to us all at once. Make sure it keeps trickling in right up until the season starts so that information is out there. (laughs) Now, you have to tell us about all these player signings, so I'll just give the list and then you just talk us through who they are, okay? Because I don't know some of these players. So we've got uh, Aidan Keane, and there's a lot of young Mm -hmm. players here, like 18 and 19 A lot of young players, yes. Yes, 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 you are correct. You are going to be the senior states person. I am the oldest woman. Oh, my goodness me. I'm like, like majority of them, I'm like 10 years older. I'm like, (laughs) someone get me my Zimmer frame. I need... (laughs) I need help. <laughs> Hang on, I think Sarah Carroll's same age as you, so you have a partner in crime. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so we've got Aidan Keane, who's an attacker from Western Sydney Wanderers. Tell us a little bit about Aidan. Have you met her before? I have not met her, but I've heard a lot of very good things um, from Alex as well. I think she's been really successful playing for the Tigers, I believe, over there. And I think she's scored about 10 goals already. So she is clearly a very clinical finisher, which is really exciting for us to have like a really strong forward. Mm. So it'll be a very exciting time to get like someone with that kind of prowess into the team. And Abby Green, who plays for Mum FC. Yeah, we love Abby. (laughs) (laughs) And another attacker, of course. And I'm just going to go through the attackers first. And then Alana Jancevsky. Yeah, so she's super exciting. Um, She's very young, I think. She might be 17 or 18. Um, She has been incredibly promising um, and apparently has, like, this, after speaking to Alex, he's told me that she has, like, this, this spark and this flair and this creativity that we really, really want to bring into the team. Um, And I think she has an excellent attitude of what I've heard as well. So that's really great. Yep, so that's three attackers um, signed already, which is pretty fantastic. Good job. Mm. Yep. So how do you you build your side? You start with attackers. But a question I've got for you is, uh, is Lily coming back? Because a a super-duper goalkeeper is always needed. 
Wasn't she? Oh my goodness. I'm like Lily's big fan, honestly. But I'm not sure. We're not, I, I cannot comment at the moment. I'm not sure. I would absolutely love to see Lily come back. I just think it depends on her own situation as well. Right. But yeah, no, I'm on the exact same page with you there. She saved us. <laughs> On literally on <laughs> multiple occasions across the season, yeah. so yeah, she was my my MVP for sure. So <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Okay. And uh, Morgan Aquino, who yep. was with Brisbane Raw and had a great season she with did. them, she's come back to WA now. I haven't heard her name mm, mentioned no. with Gloria. Don't think so, but correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I'd personally like to see her with an opportunity did, to play. Did Gloria. she not play? She uh, is. She is signed. Is she? Okay. she? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, she's the one yeah, player I don't have yeah. on my list. Sorry, Morgan. Yes, okay. so, thank, thank you. goodness. Yeah, because she is absolutely like you touched on. She's had a standout season for Brisbane and obviously has gone over there and got this amazing um, level of experience with yeah. such a team of a high calibre. And so it's been really like, it was really a pivotal point for us to be able to secure her and get her back. Um, and so, yeah, we're, I'm so happy to have Morgan back. She's Ooh. such a great person. Yeah, as well. You can stay in New Zealand then. We've, <laughs> we've got a replacement. <laughs> so, so that's that's ten players on my list already. Then I, I'm going to go through the rest, and you can tell me if there's anyone else I've missed out. Now, Claudia Mehosic, she's a young Matilda from the NPL in Victoria. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She, I think she's looking to make her W League first W League debut with us. So that's really exciting. But yeah, has been playing for the the junior national team and has been really performing so that's exciting too 18 years old and isabella wallhead izzy um who has been playing yeah. for the glory and is in the young matilda squad and is also a defender um ntc and is only 18 years old so young um sarah carroll of course yep. uh yourself yes, um and then hannah lowry uh yeah is, is hannah class as a midfielder or as an attacker what do you reckon yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. And um, Tijan McKenna, is that how you say her first name? Tijan? Tian, yeah. Tian, thank you. Tian. Tian. Okay. Yeah. So there we, and Tian's only 16. Crikey. Little so, baby. Yeah, wow. and she's in good hands, I think, um, yeah. with a yeah. good blend of leaders like yourself and Sarah and uh, fellow young teenagers in the squad there. So already that's 10 players signed. I make that 10. Have I missed anyone else that's been signed, Tash? What was that? Sorry, uh, that, I make that ten players. Is there anyone yeah. else that's been yeah. signed? Um, Nat Tobin. Have yeah. you heard of her as well? She's been signed as a central defender as well. She is a phenomenal player. She's come from Sydney FC, um, and we've signed her as a central defender. Has a, so much experience and a lot of leadership experience as well. Obviously, playing for Sydney, um, an amazing club. So, bringing with her a wealth of knowledge, which I'm really excited to play with her. Wasn't that part of the Matilda uh, setup? Was that? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so at some point. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> wow. So that's yeah. She's a phenomenal player. Yeah. Yeah. No glory. I'm very happy with that. Uh, that have we missed good. anybody else? I mean, that there's a there's a squad there, or, or a starting eleven yeah. right there. That's good. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's really, really exciting. So who's going to be captain? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 Tash, obviously the NPL seasons are all underway right around Australia for the men's and the women. So everyone's still playing their local football in their state. So is there a thought of when the squad would get together, seeing as the signings are taking place early, is the squad got a, an anticipated date of when they're going to start training together? Yeah, so it's actually, it's so exciting this year. It obviously looks very different to what it has in the past. And I think Alex's plan, if I'm not mistaken, is 
once um, we've got majority of our players signed, come July, I think he might be coming over and we'll be holding a series of camps. So we'll have like <clears throat> probably, I think, ideally a week, like a week's long camp over a few months whereby um, Alex will invite MPL, local MPL players in as well to trial too so that he can get a really good look at the local talent, which I think is just so exciting and I feel like that has been missed over the past years. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like too. So it sounds like he's over east scouting through the NPL competitions at the moment for players, which is why he signed a, a handful of players that we're not so familiar with yet. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, good. All right, now... um. I, d- I did want to touch on the Matildas and just talk about um, them and you've been identified in, in the you know, national team setup, so to speak, so you well done on that. But I did want to say that um, I don't know if many people know that you, you've, you work in the Department um, of Justice System as a recreation officer in women's correctional facilities and I, I really admire this about you in the work that you do. I just wonder if you could tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, okay, so I actually have just stopped I did a year with them and I've just started at Curtin University um, but I absolutely loved my time working for the Department of Justice and I was working across two maximum security prisons. I was working in Bandy Up and I was working at Melaleuca which is a romance centre as well and it was honestly probably the most amazing experience of my life and I grew so much both professionally and personally, um, learning from the women. The role was amazing. It was essentially like designing and developing and then implementing programs to help rehabilitate the women and reintegrate the women back into society. And honestly, like, it, it, it blows my mind. Those women taught me so much and it taught me so much about myself as well. Um, I would have loved to stay working there. It just ended up being a little bit too hard with football because it is shift work and it is long hours. So it kind of, it was difficult for me. I felt like I was asking a lot of my employers, um, taking quite a bit of time off in the season. So I will definitely go back in work in that space in the future. But for now, I just needed something that was a little bit more flexible in terms of my football. So yeah, it was, it was awesome, Penn. Like it was so rewarding. It seemed like the perfect fit for your character. <laughs> Mm. Well, it's funny because like everyone's like, "Oh, it's, isn't it scary and intimidating?" I'm like, "No, I just yell yell straight back at them, <laughs> and then and then they just like laugh at me and walk off." So I was like, "Okay, that's the best way to deal with it." Do you also still work with the charity to improve the literacy um, with the Indigenous Australians? I haven't worked with them in a little while. I did that when I was raising money when I was doing my half marathon and my marathon. I would love to get back into that, but not at the moment. Okay. You have a, a wide variety of very admirable tasks in your portfolio, Tash. Oh, that. <laughs> now, um, I did want to have a little bit of a, a lead into the Matildas, but um, when you got your first um, captain's armband it followed Sam Kerr so she was our glory captain at that time and um, I, I can't remember our last season but it was probably a losing grand finalist maybe um, it was yeah a few years I think ago. that was it yeah yeah so I'll just say that really no, quietly okay been erased. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is your sixth year your third year as captain you debuted for the glory in 2016 what did you take from playing in the same squad as Sam Kerr Yeah, oh my gosh, so much. Very good question. Um, I think Sammy is someone that is not only like such a phenomenal player and someone who is obviously just leaps and bounds beyond what we've seen before, but not only that, she's 
like such an amazing person. Like she has an amazing character. She conducts herself with such humility, and she's just in general so kind and so down to earth. And so learning from her as a leader like really really helped me in my own personal growth as a player and in my character as well. Some captains uh, just lead by example on the pitch and some captains um, talk a lot. They lead and they point and they encourage and foster. What kind of captain are you? <laughs> I would definitely, I would, I would say a bit of both. I talk a lot, but I also, encouragement is one of my biggest things and I, I like to lead with a lot of positivity and a lot of high energy um, and a lot, I really like put a lot of emphasis on celebrating the small wins as well. So I think, yeah, encouragement plays a massive part in my leadership. Yes, yes, definitely. So with the Matildas uh, there, Tash, did you happen to catch the game against Denmark? I thought they came out of the blocks all guns firing and, as I said to Penn off air before we started, how do you walk off a side at uh, the pitch at halftime going, we've just outplayed this side, six shots to one yeah. and we're three nil down. What's yeah. going on? Tash, get out there. I know. Come on. Ah, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Just like that's just devastating. But that's just football sometimes, isn't it? Like yep. it, it just falls one way or the other sometimes as much as you try and control every element. As, yeah, oh, frustrating, I know. I suppose what I get from that game is that if we can have that many shots and we don't score, let's say their goalkeeper is super phenomenal oh, and we're throwing great. everything she at him. She was great. She, she was good, yep. Her positioning <laughs> and handling was pretty good. But if all over the park we are not that consistent, then we've got to work mm. on the parts that aren't consistent because good teams, really good consistent mm. teams are going to break us down. Yep. And let's face yep. it, the, the games that we've played, Netherlands, Germany, man, they are in the top ten, okay? We're not yeah. – hang what are we, number five? They're in the top five, mm. yeah. okay? So we obviously have bits in our system that is not totally consistent that other teams break mm. us down. Yep. And if you look at Germany, they were a machine. Yeah. Netherlands, I love the, their style of play, creative, fast-moving balls, very consistently pushed us and broke us down. And if we can't do that to other teams, we are just not going to win yep, those games yep. here. And did you see any any changes in styles from uh, Tony's, what looks to be his preferred side to, uh, to play at the Olympics? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a few, but, like, Penn, touching on what you just said, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. I think it it comes down to doing the basics really, really well. Mm. Like, honestly, just, it's like, nailing those, if everybody, if every player on the park does their job um, at, to the best of their ability and does it well, I think we would be consistent. But I think you're right in the fact that there are holes there. And if we can't create those links and be fluid in the way that we play, like base the very very basics and yeah i think we need to bring in but i think it's also a reflection on um and i know what they're uh trying to do now is really build the squad and like the extended squad as well because we have had these players that have been so phenomenal for so long but we do need you know those young guns coming in and providing us with that consistent like and creative flair if you know what i mean yep yep i think uh, attacking wise if we we all think of sam kerr when we think of mm. the Matildas, and she can score goals. But other players around her need to score goals as well. Like if Sam yeah. Kerr is injured or she needs a partner yeah. in crime, that might be Mary Fowler or Kyra uh, Clint, 
Clinic Cross. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's so exciting for Clara. Yes, it was, well. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and Mary getting a gig as well. That was great yeah. to see as well. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Uh, Yep, yep, and and we need those players to get game time, and this is the time to get game time, of course, in this window here and the the lead-up to the Olympics and the World Cup. Hopefully there's lots of fixes when we have had such a great big layoff where no one has been able to get together and find out what the dynamics are between all these new players and and the experienced players. We've got to play all those games. Yeah. And the other thing I did want to ask you too (laughs) is um, the new TV deal. How do you see that panning out and benefiting W League? Um, I, I, I don't. I don't have enough information to really make a completely educated comment. But I think it is. I think the deal with Fox had been obviously a bit marred uh, towards the end with everything that happened with COVID. And I definitely think Ken have come in and given us the opportunity because I know everyone was talking for a long time. We're so uncertain about what was going to happen because there was talks for a little while about us creating like our own channel and subscribers. So I'm really glad that we have someone so big stepping in to help. But the other thing is I think... W League's being played on 10 bulge, is that correct? Yeah, I think, I think so. Yep. yep. So I think they're playing the, uh, one or two A-League games um, on 10 and then one free-to-air on 10 bold as well. Yep. So as long as, I mean, it's the same story, same old story with the W League. Like, we just need more and more exposure <laughs> and more and more people getting on board and, like, the more exposure we get, the more someone might just be like, oh, I didn't know this was on. Oh, I watched this. And then enjoying yes. it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. it's just getting the name out there and getting our exposure out there. And I really hope that that's what this deal with 10 can do. Um, but, yeah, it just depends on how we play our cards. Yes. And, yeah, I, I said it before, is that I'd like to see not just one or two games happening as a, at a designated time, but to play all of the games somehow on some kind of platform where people who don't normally watch football or soccer will just turn on yes. the TV and go, oh, look, there's a game. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's and stumble television. across it. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's my dream, okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. Me too. We share that. <laughs> <laughs> Tash, thanks so much for joining us. I do appreciate your time and, and your bounce and your character and uh, I love being your Perth Glory captain. Good job. Oh, thank you, guys. Really appreciate the chat. En- enjoy your weekend. Brother, what are you doing before the W yeah. League kicks in? Are you playing somewhere? You, you finished that move yet, Tash, or what? I'm, I'm playing I'm playing with the boys. So I'm training uh, four times a week with the Youth Academy, which has been absolutely amazing for me because those boys are so incredibly quick and so strong and so fast. So it's been a really different challenge for me because obviously I've played in the MPLW for many, many, many years. And um, I kind of just had a chat with Alex and I've had like 18 years straight playing football with no break or something <laughs> dumb. <laughs> So, so he was like, how about you just train with the academy, see how you're feeling, um, and then if you want to step into the MPL, um, you can go ahead. And I was like, yeah, I think that's the best way to, for me to go, particularly with my knees at this rash old age. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's been a really different challenge, and I'm really finding that I am improving as well, which is awesome. Are we talking about the Perth Glory Youth Academy? Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's mm, great. Go Tash. You'll be super fit and super, like, ready and responsive and, yes. Honestly, I have to be because they, the, the, they're so quick. I'm like, guys, oh, slow down for me. Like, so I'm having, to, I'm having to keep up, which is definitely keeping me on my toes. 
are you the only one or is there some other glory players in there as well? So I've been training full time and then um, Tian, Bella, oh, just Tian and Bella have been coming down as well um, every, just for once a week, one session a week. Right. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm liking this lead into the season. Great job, Tash. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. Good on ya. See ya. Ta-da. See you guys. Bye. That was Natasha Rigby, the Perth Glory captain, full of bounce and everything, of course. Uh, next up is Len and Bags Grew. Lots of football in today's show. Becky, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Becky. Thanks for having me. I think we talked more than you did. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's, it's a, that's not usual. But. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hugh, thanks for joining us in the show. Again, I know you've got a few shows um, coming up in the... In the future, I think you might be on s- several weeks in a yeah, yep. on the trot like yep. to make up for something yep. you might be missing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. When the buttons go bang, that'll yeah, be me baby, doing it. Yeah, baby, watch out. Okay. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy Thanks, all everyone. the football. Bye. See ya. Bye.